The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 17th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers, who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Let's start this morning with a little catechism recitation. So if you don't know it by heart, pull your hymnal back out. Sorry, I couldn't warn you because you already put your hymnals away before she finished playing. So pull your hymnals out and turn to page 324 to see the small catechism. Page 324. It's always worth reviewing. We should probably do this together more often, but I encourage you to do this in your homes, to look at the small catechism so that you can ask this question, what does this mean? Page 324, look at the fourth petition. It's on the bottom of the left-hand column. The fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Say it with me. What does this mean? God certainly gives daily bread to everyone without our prayers, even to all evil people. But we pray in this petition that God would lead us to realize this and to receive our daily bread with thanksgiving. To receive our daily bread with thanksgiving. You can put your hymnals away now. To receive our daily bread with thanksgiving is the point. That's the goal for today, for us to be grateful to give thanks, and not just to give thanks generically, the way the world does, but to give thanks to God, to be like that Samaritan who returned to Jesus to praise God, because he knew where his hope had come from. One of the starting places, however, and you saw this in the explanation, is that everyone at dinner gets the same food, but not everyone gives thanks. God gives his daily bread to everyone, even to all evil people. It's an amazing thing. Really unbelievable. The world doesn't reckon with it that apart from God's providence, apart from his care, apart from his word, the world would fall to pieces. You should not expect anything to work. You should not expect plants to grow out of the ground. You should not expect clothing to appear on your shelves, on, in your closets. You should not expect anything good to happen apart from God's grace. And yet, Although most of the world rejects God and does not give him thanks, everyone at dinner gets the same food. That's how it works at dinner time. Everyone sits down around the table, and no matter who you are, everybody eats from the same dish, everybody receives the same portions, everyone gets the same food, but not everyone gives thanks. That has a lot to do with how we think about God. So food has been on my mind. We went to McDonald's the other day, drove through the drive-thru, and 
your relationship with the drive-thru attendant is a, is a peculiar one. It's very transactional, isn't it, right? So you're hoping that they can hear what you're saying through that speaker. You can't see them. This communication is always tricky. So we pulled through the drive-thru, we placed our order, and went up to the window, and the attendant handed out our food. And I said, thank you very much. And she said, would you like anything else? And Jessica started laughing at me because, of course, she was speaking to the person on, the, on her headset and not to me. And I said, no, thanks. That's great. I appreciate what you gave us. And she was not talking to me at all. The communication, the communication is all messed up. This is a very transactional thing. Just put in your order and get what's coming to you, pay the money, eat your food, and move on. That's why it's called fast food, right? And we love that for all kinds of reasons. Not having to sit down and make a conversation so you can place your order from McDonald's online. You don't even have to talk to the attendant in the window. That's not, that is not how it is with God. He is not like the person sitting in the window at McDonald's. He's not like the people behind the counter preparing the food. He's not like that, where we just pay the money and we get something from him, what we ordered. And if it's not what we ordered, well, we're going to be pretty upset. Maybe it's more like this. Maybe you think to yourself, it's something more like this. It's more like sitting down at a fine restaurant, a fine dining experience. And there, the mood is calmer. You have some time to have some conversation. Servers are a little bit more patient. They look you in the eye. They ask you how everything's going. They care about your service. And you leave a nice tip at the end of the meal because, look, you're very thankful that they brought you your food. You're very thankful that they didn't mess up your order. You're very thankful and you kind of feel bad for them because, well, maybe they're not getting paid as much as they should working in this restaurant. So you leave them a tip. Is that how it is with God? He serves us at table, gives us our daily bread, and maybe we'll leave him a tip. Depending on how we're feeling, maybe I'm a bit grumpy today. No tip for God today. Maybe I'm a little bit grumpy, so I'll be a little impatient. Or maybe I'm just feeling very generous. Maybe I'm feeling very cordial, and so I'm very kind to the server. Obviously, that's not how it is with God. So it's much more like this, and I think you know this, it's much more like a home-cooked dinner where it's family around the table and the one serving the meal is not somebody you don't know, not somebody distant and unrelated to you, but it is your own family. It's your mother or your father. It's someone who loves you and cares for you. And so you sit around the table and the food is prepared and it's amazing because this is your home and these are your people and the conversation is filled with joy because you love one another, but you know, you know that even then, even then, although everybody eats the same food and enjoys the same atmosphere and is loved just as much by the cook as the one next to them, not everybody says thanks. Not everybody gives thanks. In fact, in fact, pay attention to this, not to pick on kids, but it's the kids who are most likely to take it for granted. The kids have not yet learned when they are young that the food did not just come from nowhere but that there was a labor of love in preparing this food, that it cost something, it cost time and money and energy. The kids are the ones who are tending to be ungrateful. That's us, the children of God who dine at his table in love, in fellowship with one another, who are served by a father who loves us more than we could imagine. And we are so often like the children who want to just eat and move on to the next thing want to get out of here, not interested in answering questions, not interested in talking, not interested in having conversation. Let me get on to the next thing. That's how it is. I'm just speaking autobiographically here. That's how I was when I was a kid. So when we learn to be thankful, something changes, and this is good. It's good when kids begin to recognize, when we begin to recognize that these gifts, this food in front of us is given to us. 
that we didn't do anything to earn it. And so you might begin in this way. You might begin by being grateful for the gift. Wow, this is a delicious meal. I've never tasted food like this before. Wow, I was really hungry. I'm so glad that there's food on my plate and that I've been satisfied. Thank you for this food. Thank God for this food. All kinds of things that we might say. But notice, notice how you come up short. If you're only ever thankful for the food, but not thankful for the one who gave you the food. Notice how you come up short if you're only thankful for the gift, but you're not thankful for the giver. How you come up short if you are thankful for all of the created things that God gives you, and so you rejoice in them, but you do not ever rejoice in the creator, the one who gave them to you. Those nine lepers who came to Jesus and did not return to give thanks, they loved the gift. They knew they needed it, they knew it would be good, and they knew that they had to ask Jesus for it, but what happened after they received the gift? They went away, very, very grateful for the gift, but not thankful to the giver. St. Paul talks about this attitude in Romans chapter 1. He talks about how our hearts turn in on themselves. Let me read to you a little bit of what St. Paul says. He says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. That is, that God is gracious. He gives us all kinds of things. You know this. Work as hard as you want. Nothing will come of it unless good fortune, at the very least, unless providence intervenes. Many, many people labor and labor and work and work and nothing comes of it. And some do nothing at all and are blessed tremendously. Unless God is the one who gives, and we know this by nature, we would have nothing at all. For God's invisible attributes, Paul goes on, namely his internal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. Where did all of this come from? And the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. That is, they honored him as an attendant in the McDonald's window, or as the waiter or waitress in the nice restaurant, or as mom or dad who just happened to magically make food appear out of nowhere. They did not honor him as God, as the one who loves and gives graciously, not just for a moment, but for eternity. They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him but became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. What Paul is describing there is what happens when you forget the giver of the gifts and instead worship the gifts themselves. That is perhaps our greatest temptation in this world, to be very thankful for all of the things that we receive, and then to begin to worship those things. To hold those things dear, the gifts and the goodness and the blessings, to hold those things tight and to let go of the one who has given them to us. To be like the nine lepers who rejoice that they had been healed, but promptly forgot about the one who healed them. So let us learn today from the Samaritan how to give thanks. Let us not be like that. Let us not be like the world that lives under the wrath of God, doing evil all the time, receiving good gifts from God, daily bread, day in and day out, and never, never giving thanks. 
never giving glory to God. Let us learn from the Samaritan how to give thanks, to give praise properly to God. It starts in your hearts. This is obvious, and this is why you can't ever actually tell if someone is truly thankful. Maybe you have had this experience where you're grateful for something, and you're grateful to someone, but there is no way. There is no way that you could possibly show it. How could your gratitude, any expression of gratitude, match up with what you feel in your heart? That's where it begins, in your heart. And it begins with this recognition that you don't deserve any of it. God causes it to rain on the just and the unjust, and look, we are all unjust. God gives gifts to everyone, even to all people, and look, we are the evil people. We are the ones who do not deserve anything, but instead, as we confessed at the beginning of this service, we deserve from God wrath and punishment. Why should he give us any good thing? Not as wages, not because we deserve it. We are not exchanging anything for God. How common this is to think that God gives us things because we have worked for them, that God gives us things because we have deserved them. How often we think that. Think about it in terms of health. When our health is taken away, there are two different kinds of lamentation. There might be a hopeful lamentation, which says, God gave it to me, and he is free to take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's the one who decides what is good. Or there is a despairing way to lament the loss of health or any kind of suffering, which says, why would God take that away from me? I don't deserve this. I deserve better. I thought that I had my health. I thought that I had my wealth. I thought that I had my family and friends and my reputation. I thought I had all of those things because I deserved them. No, they are not owed to us at all, which makes it even more marvelous that we have them. They come to us all by grace, out of God's fatherly, divine goodness and mercy. If you can let that sink into your hearts, that everything that you have, from the moment you woke up this morning to the moment you lay your head on your bed, on your pillow to go to sleep tonight, and even throughout the night when you can do nothing to provide for yourself or care for yourself, all along the way, it is God's gracious gift to you. Let that sink into your hearts. Let that govern how you feel about your life. Let that govern how you think about blessings and curses, how you think about gain and loss, how you think about treasures and possessions, whether you have them or not. God is gracious. He is your loving Heavenly Father, and he's only ever given you good things. And so, learn to pray. Learn to regard him as a loving Heavenly Father who wants you to ask of him for everything that you need, not just when you're in need. And notice this about those nine lepers. We, we saw a few weeks ago a faithless man in the temple praying that Pharisee who began his prayer in this way, I thank you, God, that I am not like other men. There's a thankful prayer, right? Wrong. What a faithless, thankless prayer that only asks things of God when it's really pressing. When finally, at long last, I feel like I can't hack it on my own. When I'm in despair, finally asking things of God. That is not a thankful prayer. That's how the nine lepers were. They knew that they needed something from Jesus. They came to Jesus and they even called him, Master, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. But look at their faithlessness, their thanklessness as they turn and leave once they've been satisfied. Once they've been handed their McDonald's bag and they've paid their way. 
Let us not be like that, but instead, make your lives full of prayer. If you pray continually, and that's the charge from St. Paul, pray without ceasing, day in and day out, from one moment to the next, if you make it your practice to pray, which you will if you remember that God is your Heavenly Father who wants you to talk to Him, then you will be able to pray in both good times and bad. You will be able to pray a genuinely thankful prayer in good times. And you will be able to pray a hopeful and not despairing prayer in bad times. There is no greater glory for a Christian than to suffer tragedy or grief or loss and to be able to praise God. Look at Job, who lost everything and who said at the end of the day, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That only happens. That only happens by faith by recognizing God's good gifts to you, by holding fast to him, the giver of those gifts, and to practicing prayer, exercising yourself in prayer. You can never pray enough. You can never ask God for too much. He always wants to hear from you. But do not stop there, for this Samaritan could have prayed to God on his way to the temple. He could have folded his hands and closed his eyes and paused on the way and said, thank you, to God, and that would have been giving glory to God, but what does he do? Look at his actions. He turns around. He turns around. He changes his posture entirely. He was going this way, and now he is going that way. Show your gratitude to God in this, in your actions. Don't act like you have gotten everything by your own efforts. Don't act when things go well as if you have just gotten lucky. Don't act when things go poorly as though God has abandoned you. Instead, act in all things in the way that is true, as a child of God. As a child of God who clings to his heavenly Father with everything that he's got, like Jacob wrestling with the Lord at the river Jabbok, unwilling to let go until God gives him a blessing. Look at your lives and see the actions that you take, the things that you do that betray your thanklessness. Are you anxious and worried about not having enough? Are you anxious and worried about family and friends? Are you anxious and worried about your health? Do you scramble and scrape? Do you neglect God's word and prayer because you think you have something better to do? Monitor your hearts and your actions and see in your actions your thanklessness and repent. Turn around. That's what that word means. That's what repentance is. It's turning around. And when you turn around, recognize where you're turning. You're turning away from a life lived by yourself, enjoying the gifts of God without God. You're turning away from that towards Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, the giver of every good thing. And having acted in accordance with your faith, thankfully, with gratitude, let your words also express your gratitude. Think about this in your relationship with everybody else in your life. I get a lot of good advice from people in this congregation for whom I am very thankful about where to fish. Now, it's usually a little bit too late because by the time the advice gets to me, the fish are gone. So you have to tell me beforehand where the fish are. But think about the joy that you get in sharing good news with somebody about something that you have received. I went out to the lake and I caught my limit of sunfish. I saw this great deal at the store where you can get exactly what you need on a steep discount I went to this doctor and they gave me the cure for exactly what was ailing me. No one else could help me. 
Think about the joy that you express in sharing that good news. The joy and the thankfulness. Giving glory to God by declaring his praises to everyone around you. Jesus struggled with this as he ministered to people in Judea and Galilee. He would heal the sick and then he would tell them to be quiet and they couldn't help but tell everyone what God had done for them. Let that be you. Think about what God has done for you. What great things he has done for you. Giving you your daily bread and above all else, forgiving your sins. Giving you hope after death. Giving you hope for eternal life. In fact, this is the key. Everything depends on the forgiveness of sins. If God didn't forgive our sins, we would have no reason, no good reason to talk to him. We would have no confidence that he would hear us or that he loves us. But he has forgiven your sins by sending his son to die on the cross. He has taken away everything that stood between you and him. He has taken away all of your thanklessness, your selfishness, your pride. He has taken it all away and cast it as far from you as you can imagine so that you are free, so that you can speak to him as a perfect and beloved child. In fact, so that you can speak to him in the very same way that Jesus does. What a joy that is. What a glory that is. And that is the proof of his love. Look at the cross. Look at the cross and declare its glory to everyone around you. Let that be how you praise God. Let that be how you glorify God in your life. There is so much good for you to do. There is so much good for you to do packed up in this, just in being grateful. Learn today from the Samaritan how to be grateful. And above all else, what wondrous things you have to be grateful for. Give God the glory always. Amen.